The following podcast is a production of Mosaic in Whittier, California, a community of faith, hope, and love. For more information about Mosaic gatherings and events, please visit mosaic.org. This morning, we're going to take a pause on our 10-week series of the I Am Statements of Jesus in the, in the book of John. And um, the reason is, is that actually uh, at school, um, there was a, a passage that came uh, to my attention and uh, uh, you know, there, there's, there are characters in the Bible. Don't you realize how there's characters in the Bible that you kind of get? Like, oh, I get that guy. You identify with that person. What's also funny to me is how whenever we read the Bible uh, and Jesus is speaking, we're always the disciples. We're never the Pharisees. Have you noticed that? <laughs> you know, we're always on the Jesus side because, you know, he's right. Um, but the reason why this, this passage was, was uh, really got my attention, and I can tell you honestly that even during the, the, the class, that I was getting emotional, which I know is shocking to most of you that I actually would react emotionally to a situation, but um, began to see, you know, I wasn't the guy that I thought I was in the story. I'm not going to tell you who I thought I was or who I ended up being, um, but I wanted to share it with you since it was painful for me. I thought you should also have this awful experience with me. In Luke chapter 15... I'm going to read, this, uh, read the entire passage and I'll, I'll, we'll have some talking points afterwards. Luke 15, verse 1. Now the tax collectors and sinners were all gathering around to hear Jesus. But the Pharisees and the teachers of the law muttered, Will this man welcome sinners and eats with them? <clears throat> then Jesus told this, this parable. Suppose one of you has a hundred sheep and loses one of them. Doesn't he leave the ninety-nine in the open country and go after the lost sheep until he finds it? Now, you know, you kind of have to think about this a little bit. If you're a shepherd and, and you know, you have 100 sheep, one's missing, um, I guess you could think immediately, like, well, you know, well, I have 99. And so you leave them in open country, and you recall last week we talked about the shepherd and the door and the idea of having a pen and, and the, the, the need for the constant protection and provision that sheep have. So the fact that he, quote, I'm going to leave 99 to go after one, I think speaks volumes of the value of the one. Um, as a matter of fact, when I think about this, I think you might have heard me say this once or twice, that the most important person here is the one that, who's not here. That's the person that matters, the one who's not here. And so that all the conversations, everything that we do is, is geared towards the one who is um, not connected to God, the one who is perhaps, you know, that whether they are, they may feel they are the furthest away from God. That's who matters the most to us here on Sunday mornings. Verse 5, and when he finds it, he joyfully puts it on his shoulders and he goes home. Then he calls his friends and his neighbors together and says, wow, rejoice with me. I have found my lost sheep. You know, he, you know, today he would have texted. I tell you that in the same way there will be more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who do not need to repent. Now, you, you, in verse 7, you have to hear a little sarcasm there, okay? Because, uh, I mean, um, we're, we're, we're all nerds, right? I mean, we all have a problem. Is that fair to say? Forever. I mean, and once you recognize that, you're, like, free to be yourself. You're free to be a nerd. You're free, like, oh, man, thank And then that's when you appreciate the idea of having a Savior and a Redeemer. Because we're always going to need a Savior and a Redeemer. You don't hit, hit a place in your life when you're like, whoa, I can kind of coast now. I got it. Verse 8, or suppose a woman has ten silver coins and loses one. Does she light a lamp, sweep the house? Doesn't she light a lamp, sweep the house, and search carefully until she finds it? And when she finds it, she calls to her friends and neighbors together and says, Hey, rejoice with me. 
I found my lost coin. And in the same way, I tell you, there is rejoicing in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. Uh, some of you may, were here last Sunday when you remember that stupid game. Someone said they play. How much, how, how much value does a dollar have before you fish it out of the toilet? Remember that? Wait, wait, wait that was me. And then, um, and I try to point out that, that you know, if you, if you found money in a pile of garbage or poop, it's a $100 bill, it's still worth $100. It's just dirty. And I try to create the metaphor that that's, you know, that as as human beings, we're that beautiful tragedy. We're that marred artwork. We're that soiled beauty. And in this case, you know, the coin um, metaphor also continues to fit, right? So she goes looking for it. And you can see, I think, a couple of things there. You know, I mean, you can take the metaphor and really torture it. But if there's a, a, a lamp being lit... If there's sweeping and cleaning to look for, I mean, there's something being said that the coin's maybe not in a place that was clean and obvious, right? Okay. I didn't wait for a response. I just assumed that you're going to say, yes, I agree with you. Verse 11. Now, this is the one we really like to spend some time on. So Jesus continued. So there was a man who had two sons. The younger one said to his father, Father, give me my share of the estate. So he divided the property between them. Now, a lot long after that, the younger son got together all he had and sent off for a distant country where, he, where there he squandered his wealth in wild living. Verse 14, after he had spent everything, there was a severe famine in that whole country, and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to be a citizen of that country, who sent him to, uh, to his fields to feed pigs. And he longed to fill his stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating. But no one gave him anything. Verse 17. When he came to his census, he said, How many of my father's hired servants have food to spare, and I'm here starving to death? I'll set out, go back to my father, and say to him, Father, I've sinned against heaven and against you, and I'm no longer to be called your son. But make me like one of your hired servants. So he got up, went to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son, threw his arms around him, and kissed him. Verse 21, then his son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I'm no longer to be called your son. Verse 22, but his father said to his servants, quick, bring the best robe, put it on him, put a ring on his finger, sandals on his feet, bring the fatted calf, kill it, let's have a party. I like this dad. Verse 24, for this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. And they began to celebrate. And I think maybe to kind of feel the, you know, I don't know, joy, pleasure. I'll get back to this for just a moment. But just to hang on to this, kind of hang something on it. How many of you are parents? Raise your hand. You guys ever lost one of your kids? By the way, speaking of Mary and Joseph, can you imagine losing the son of God? See, I think on the third day when they went to the temple, it was, I think they were just going to fess up. Okay, God, we're sorry. We just lost your kid. I don't, we tried, and we didn't know where he was. And, hey, there he is, you know. But, I mean, how, how do you tell God, we lost your son? I mean, you know, um, but anyway, that's a side story. But don't you remember when that, that panic that sets in when you've lost your kid? We, we lost our daughter once. Um, my poor daughter. We've driven to restaurants and forgot her. But that's how, you know. That's why we don't give parenting classes. But uh, she was, I don't know, 
four or five years old, and we lost. In fact, uh, friends of ours are here that were, that were with us that day, and we lost her for like 20 minutes in Uptown. We didn't know where she was, you know. Um, and, and then there's that relief, like, oh, you're safe, right? Okay, that comes close to what this guy was probably experiencing, right? We're happy. I'm so glad you're, you're here. I'm just happy that you're back, you know. And we should have a party to celebrate while you're back. Verse 25, meanwhile, the older son was in the field. When he came near the house, he heard the music and dancing. And so he called uh, to one of the servants and asked, hey, what's going on? Hey, your brother has come home, he replied. Your father's killed the fatted calf because he, has, uh, he has, has him back safe and sound. So I can imagine one of the servants is saying, awesome news, bro. Your, your brother's back. Isn't that great? And your dad's celebrating. That's where the dancing's going on. You know, and... and Verse 28, but the older brother became angry, refused to go in. So his father went out and pleaded with him. This, that, that statement alone, just, you know, this dad's a remarkable character. His father went out and pleaded with him. I mean, you, could, you, you figure the dad could have said, get in this house. What, you know, don't you embarrass me in front of my guest. What the heck's wrong with you? Right? Okay. Verse 29, I'm going to ask you a favor, guys. Turn this down. Wait, 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 down. Okay, right there. I want to tell you how I think the son said this. All these years I've been slaving for you. You never did nothing for me. I can't believe this son of yours comes back after he's been with whores. And you celebrate. That's verse 29. Verse 31. Now, I'm a parent. I've had my kids go ape on me once or twice. I didn't necessarily pray with them to resolve the situation. You know, I mean, I, you know, did you just lose your mind momentarily, you know? And, and uh, yeah, see, someone, that's a laughter familiarity right there. Um, and sometimes when you're insecure of your position and you don't have strength, you become louder than the person that was loud because you have to overcome that, Right? Those of you who are kids, you had your parents go crazy on you. It's because, well, you know, you went crazy on them first. So the fact that, the, that this dad responded the way he did is amazing to me. So verse 31 would be more like, my son, I think there had to be some kind of hurt also in this moment. Seeing how, how cold and uh, hard his son was. I mean, in, in a way, both his sons were dead to him. You follow? You're always with me. Everything I have is yours. But we had to celebrate and be glad because this brother of yours, he was dead, wasn't he? Isn't he alive right now? He was lost, and now he's found. Yeah. So, you know, it's such a familiar story, this, this prodigal son, that, that it's even part of our cultural language, right? The, if somebody is gone for a while and does something and, you know, I don't know, it could be even an absence from the uh, music industry. Hey, the prodigal son returns, you know, whatever, right? It, and it because, and the other thing is that there's also the curse of knowledge that if you're familiar with the scriptures, if you've gone to church two years, a year, you've heard this story. So... Yeah, coming across it again this past week and, and then processing it, because I had a different thing I was going to be doing um, that related to John, 
And I thought, you know, actually this story is more important, I thought. Um, some of you know the story of the demoniac, right? The guy that lived among death, he lived in the grave. And I go, I get that guy. You know, got his sanity back. Some of you are familiar with stories with different metaphors and parables. You think, man, I, I get that woman. I get that situation. Uh, but this one's also one that I get because of the, uh, because I, I've been both. Well, I've been all three of these people. You know, I've been a dad. I've been that kid. And then I've been the other kid, you know. So let me bring out some points. And then, you know, you can sit there and marvel at my big brain. I mean, no, you sit there and um, you can, I, I hope what's happening here is that you'll, you'll find out who you are in this story. And that if it needs to be adjusted and corrected, that it'll be corrected. So the first son, he goes off and um, does wild living. I, I don't know at what point there's something icky for you. Like, you know, what, what does it have to be for, for, for you to think? Yeah, I know God loves, quote, people who are disconnected from him. But come on, this person was in the was in the porn business, or this person was an actor. He distributed films. This person used to hurt kids. This person, you know, you follow. I mean, I think we all have a point where we just can't we just we just can't get there. Like we think that person's lost. Once you do that, once you cross that line, well, surely there's no coming way. There's no way to come back. So I I don't know what when you. To, to feel this kid is to, as the way the immediate audience first heard him, because there was folks who were, quote, verse 1 and 2, sinners and Pharisees. And if you're a Pharisee listening to the story, you must have cringed at, at every character in this story almost. And the fact that what Jesus, the point that Jesus was driving home. So for us, what is it that would make someone say, like, oh man, you were doing what? Dude, you're twisted. You know, you need help. When do you, have you noticed that sometimes you'll, you'll pray for people that you think are sort of salvageable, but others used to stop? You think, well, dude, this is a special place in hell for you, you know? So this young man, and like a lot of us, you know, um, I was in my 20s once as well. I mean, we, you, you do things that, how many of you have done stuff, when you think back at it, you go, was that really me? Yes, it was. And there's Facebook photos to show it, you know, to prove it. And you're, you're embarrassed over some of the stuff that happened in your life. Well, this goes even beyond that. Um, in fact, the closest I think I can get to understanding this fellow was a, a young man who was part of our community at one time. He's still a close friend. Um, just, just took a fall. I mean, he... And I remember, uh, you know, he, he, was, he was part of the, of the music group at one time. And, and uh, uh, you know, he had... A, a, uh, got addicted to heroin. Let me just put that out there. So he got to that point. And uh, then I ran into him several years later. And, you know, we were trying to work and help him process that. And, and, and just, you know, he always pushed back. So things got really bad for him. So I saw him up here in the area. And we got to talking. And, and so I said, what was the turning point? What, what, what made you finally, like, you know, get help? Because well, I, I ended up in San Francisco. Broke on the streets. Needed a hit. And I began to sell myself out to other men. I just, that's where I hit. And on the, one of the times I was walking over to a place to perform what I was going to perform, it just dawned on me, what am I doing? Yeah, exactly, wow. 
See, that's where that kid was. I mean, to, to have, have come from um, his background as a Jew, to associate with people who were not Jews, to associate in, in having that kind of job where you feed pigs, to get to the place where he wanted to even, like, to eat their food sound like a step up. Have you seen pigs eat? They eat like pigs, you know what I mean? It's, it's disgusting. That's why they call them pigs, right? I mean, the, the guy's in bad shape. I mean, so for, for this young man to, to get to the place where like, well, I'm willing to get to this level for some relief, you know, that's, that's, that's a tough place to be, right? Okay. So this is where this, you know, the prodigal son, the, the young man who was lost, and like verse 17 says, kind of came to himself. I, I don't know what that is. What, you know, no idea. Is that part of God's kindness? Is that part of the, the last ember of, of hope? The last bit of sensibility? Um, so verse 18, he practices a story. This is what I'm going to say. This is what I'm going to do. Do you recall as a, maybe with your, uh, with your parents, those of us who are older, we have to go back a little bit in our history, but maybe for those of you who are still you know, your parents are still much, a, a lot of part of your life. When you royally, I mean royally screwed up, and you knew it, and your folks knew it, and you knew that your folks knew that you knew, and you go, I have to go make this right, you, know, you, you know, pick up the phone to call, or maybe you're going to drive down there. To, you know that, that, that feeling in your gut? You know, like, you, you, know you need to re- reconcile this, but you just don't want to at any level. That kind of feeling. I wonder how this young man felt traveling and walking towards his dad's house. You know, are, are they going to? Is he, he going to accept my apology? Is he going to let me? I mean, what? what he, my father has every right to yell at me, to tell me to get lost and go back to the hell I came from. I, I mean, there, there had to be some sort of dread. And if you look at his um, his uh, what he's thinking, he's thinking at this point. If I can just work for my dad, I'll be happy. That was his goal. And so I think of a lot of us who, I, you know, I understand people have these tremendous, you know, transformation stories or day and night, I, but that's not my story. That's not, I think, some of your stories either, you know. I've read your emails, you know, you've told me. Everybody's on this journey. Some of us get it a little slower, some of us get pieces, and we begin to put together what God has for us here's my point as far as he knew the most kind thing that his dad could do would be to hire him back as a servant or as a, as a worker that's as far as he can get with his dad that's it now I'm going to suggest something to you so just try it on if it fits it's yours is it possible that we've done the same of our own father in heaven that maybe there's just some areas of our life where we're just like eh, this hasn't worked it didn't work and so we assume that perhaps some of the restoration and redemption that's going to occur, it's just we cap it. Oh, I'll be happy if I can just get along with, I'll be ha- you know, that kind of thing. So in verse 19, the father that he once rejected um, and, and, and just, you know, put off that, broke that, that relationship, that dynamic, it, it, I can't ever get it back. I'll be happy just to at least have something to eat. But the fact that he would actually, you know, be happy to see me or 
or love me again. I, I think, I'm convinced. I, I love what I get to do. If I didn't get to do it, it'd be okay. Because I've met Christ who loves me. I feel like someone said finally, I choose you. I know you're a mess. You've made a mess. And, it, and you've heard me say this before. You know, every human being needs to be known and loved, both, but in that order. You need to be known and then loved. If you're just known and not loved, it confirms that you're a rotten person. If you're loved but not known, you hold back of who you are. You know that's a level of hypocrisy. They don't really, if they knew you, if they really knew me, they wouldn't love me. So it has to be both. So here's the God of heaven, if the story's true, and I think it is. He knows everything. Not just the stuff I got away with, not just stuff that I didn't get caught at, but even the things I was too scared to try. And you're a mess. And I still choose you. So, uh, you know, this is, this, the son, that he, he wasn't able to compute that. And I'm telling you, the people who heard that first weren't able to as well. So, verse 19, in his mind, probably the, the most he can, he can get to would be, would be uh, an employee for his father. But the father is an interesting case too, because for some of the people listening to that, this, is, this, this violates all of their cultural uh, uh, the, the culture that would have required the dad to respond in a different way. The fact that the father gave him the money. You know, you know what his son said to his dad? I wish you were dead. You're dead to me. I can't wait for you to die. And since I can't wait for you to die, can you just give me the money that I would get once you die? Now, even now, that would be like, you know, when you hear that, you think, yeah, you know what? No. <laughs> in fact, now that I think about it, uh, you know, white out the will and, and give, you know, you get 10 cents. <clears throat> you know what the dad does? Gives him the money. Let's him go. <laughs> so, the fact that the father gave the son the money, this dad, in, the, in, the, in, in most of the audiences, is thinking this dad's almost worse than the son. He's got no backbone. He's got no dignity. He's got no shame. He's got no self-respect. He's letting people walk all over him. The father's not a hero. To us he is, but in the, you know, because we know the ending, right? We know the metaphor. But at that moment, not so much. And I, I, hope it, I hope at first, right now, it won't be either. And the running part of it, you know, there's, you know, as I've joked before, my life's a movie, so everything I see is like a movie. You know how there's some things that, that you know you shouldn't do in public? Uh, but I do them anyways. And then... Um, in India, last year, uh, they have the, um, the lungi, the skirts. Very comfortable, by the way. Um, and, uh, but, but, but as a pastor, what you cannot do, and I thought, oh, this is, you know, because all the people doing this, you know. You hike up the skirt, tuck it in, so you can walk more comfortably. Because you know? that's apparently how you walk in India. So, um, and so the, uh, the pastor was there and said, oh, bro. Uh, no, it's funny, they always call me pastor, which I always like pastor oh me so um hey no we don't you don't do that here in fact i was wearing shorts one day and they said oh we're going to go we're going to do a house visitation we're going to pray for this young woman you know can you please come and and put on pants because you don't show your legs um and so pastors have to well you don't show your legs in that over there so when i got this what was for this dad to run out to his son he had to grab his outer coat 
tuck it in and show his legs, that's the part that's a little shameful. I mean, you know, most of us don't think twice about that. But in, in some cultures, like right now, that's still a little, you know, you don't do that. Running, there's no dignity in that. And this is where he goes out to meet uh, his son. So in verse 21, the son begins to share the rehearsed story, starts to, um, starts to share what he's thinking, what he's practiced, right? And in verse 22, if, if you look at it, and if you read it, that actually cuts him off. Now, uh, pretty much what you see here is what you get. I mean, I, I think those of you who know me, you know this is it. This, I, I don't get any better. I don't get any smarter. This is it. So let me tell you something else that, that about me that maybe you don't know. I cannot. There's, you know, you always have things. Some things bug you. Some things don't. If I'm speaking with somebody and somebody cuts me off in the middle of a sentence, it is like a record scratch. It is like a punch in the gut to me. I'm thinking of all the social skills that you're lacking. <laughs> This is further evidence why you are subhuman, you know? I mean, because I'm just thinking, you're not even listening to what I'm saying. You're preparing your defense. You're, you're, you're assuming what you have to say is much more important that you couldn't even wait for me to finish my sentence. You know, I mean, I just I have a list for people who cut me off and why they deserve to go straight to hell. You know, I mean, no, not that, but I'm just, just why perhaps we're not simpatico at this moment. But... But verse 22, this is an example of where grace interrupts. See, you know, this is where, um, yeah, you know, okay, I'll I'll share. My my wife's here so she can hear this. Um, I know she's cringing right now. No, stop talking about us. (laughs) But I mean, so it's the one one person that I get the most in terms of, you know, impacting my soul and my heart, right? I mean, after Christ, that's been the most powerful relationship I've ever had. Um, there have been times when we've had to apologize to each other. Where out of kindness, in a sense, we cut the other one off. Because actually the words don't need to be spoken when it's, there's a soul-to-soul conversation. There are some times, if the truth be told, that I'm so filled for love for my wife, that I just text it to her because I can't even say it. And so when I hear this story, and I see the son trying to apologize and ask for help, and the dad says, oh, start the party. You know what that is? That's grace interrupting. You, know, you don't have to finish. Why? Because I, I, I can, I, I'm sensing the energy. I get the vibe. I know where you're going. You don't have to say anything else. I don't want you to say more. Enough's been said. So... Uh, all right, now, you know, we still have the other son in the background. That's coming, all right? Now, here's what's, oh, my gosh. I can't even imagine how, I guess, no, I do not imagine how that feels. So the son is assuming I might get my job back. What he did not figure on is that he would get his life back. Full sonship, clothes, food, and that ring that signified you're back fully restored and when I die, you're still entitled to half. How do you, uh, how do you thank somebody for that kind of kindness? And I'm thinking, um, 
You ever receive those gifts? Or no, it's not even a gift. It, it, it's not like a package gift. It's it's not. It can't be wrapped. It can't be bought. It can't be on a gift card. It's the gift of reconciliation and love and kindness from somebody you know that you really screwed over. And said, "Oh, I'm so glad you're back." Are you kidding? After what I did, my father made many mistakes. He lost quite a few battles. But I recall the uh, the time that uh, after um, after I hurt myself before I went to the hospital back for the surgery, uh, I came home embarrassed, you know, bandaged up, and you know. And my mom came in all upset, and I get that now as a parent, you know, you're 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 just full of fear that your own son would hurt himself and do that. And then my dad came out and said, oh, if he wants to be that kind of a jerk, he should let him, da-da-da-da. And he you know, takes my mom back to their bedroom. And I remember sitting there thinking, incredibly alone. Um, I don't think it was a minute later, my dad came out, tears streaming from his eyes, said nothing, walked over, helped me up, walked me to my bedroom, and since my hands and my wrists had been all cut up, helped me get undressed, took off my shoes, um, peeled back the blankets and helped me get in bed, and then kissed me goodnight. I remember thinking, of all the pain that I've caused these two people, he extended this kindness to me, you know. And um, so I get the son right here, to be very frank with you at this moment. I, have you noticed he's not talking anymore? Father's doing all the talking. Yeah. You see, this is, this is the part that's embarrassing to me. Um, I, I tend to think of myself as a person, well, because it's me I'm thinking of, you know, I, I generally don't have any reaction or judgment to people's nonsense or crap. I just, you know, hey, I've done this. I've done that. Wow. Didn't know you were that limber. I've done, you know, I've done that. I've done whatever. Hey, don't hate the messenger. Uh, you know, a little humor to break the moment there for myself. This is what's surprising to me over and over again. In fact, I was just talking to a friend last night and this morning about another friend. There is a level of kindness. Oh, thank you. Wow. Well, that's a full service ministry here. Look at this. <laughs> Thanks for the assist. I have mangas, but thank you for that. That sleeves for our non-Spanish speaking friends. Snail trails later. So, oh. <laughs> like, you, like you guys weren't thinking that. <laughs> Is that glitter? So, uh. <laughs> Hey, when you pay me more, I'll do better, okay? Okay. Isn't it shocking to find out that there's a level of kindness that God has that you don't? That, that he's much more forgiving than we are? I mean, if you think about the person that's hurt you the most, maybe it's been a spouse, it's been a friend, it's been a, I don't know, a business partner that, that took you for all your money. And, and you know, you're, we're, you're civil, a, a, a truce has been declared, you're no longer firing shots, but there's no peace. You follow? That your father in heaven says, wow, I love that guy. I love that woman. I, want, I, I can't wait for reconciliation with them. I love to be connected to them. But you, you actually think you're better than they are, don't you? 
Because you haven't done that when you're actually worse. I remember that I, I, I was finally able to, to get past my dad's issues and be able to move into forgiveness when I realized I was murdering him emotionally, you know. And every, here's what, you know what's weird? <clears throat> this, but you know what's actually really weird? I think I've told you my, my dad's story, right? He was, you know, having an affair, and then he finally leaves my mom for this younger woman, and that whole mess. I remember thinking, I'll never be that guy, right? You know what, here's what's amazing. I was that guy in terms of results. I didn't do that, but I had the same results in my life. And so we, we, you know, I can't believe this person, you know, is speaking about me, blah, 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 as you're speaking about him. And we end up, the people that we seem to react against or wish that we were not like or I'm not going to be like, you, you have the same fruit or effect or collateral damage on the lives of other people as that person had on you. You're just not doing it the same way. And there's a, there's a, there's a level of God's kindness that I know I won't extend the same level of kindness and grace that God does to other people. That's what's embarrassing to realize about yourself sometimes. So in verse 28, the father pleads with him. Verse 29 to 30, you know what the son is saying to the dead? You're not fair. You're not even just. You're not even kind. I'm doing everything that's right, and I get zip from you. Now, I think what I'm thinking here is that, well, I know this group, so... We're probably not like this much, but this is for those of us who have been maybe raised in a uh, Christian tradition, whatever shape it took, whether it's Protestant or Roman Catholic or Orthodox, where you're sort of proud of the fact that you didn't do what they did, what she did, what he did. Now, I'm going to suggest something to you again, those of you. Just, again, just try it on. If it doesn't fit, you leave it here. Did you, you really know better than the person who does, did that or this or whatever. That you were actually doing something to Christ himself that he wouldn't do. I, I, don't, I don't come to judge people. I came to rescue and restore. And whenever I find myself thinking, whenever I find myself thinking of that phraseology, I can't believe they actually went, you know, in my head well, who am I? <laughs> Both of the sons didn't understand their father. Both of the sons were at some level trying to get out of the father what they wanted to get out of him without, without loving their dad, without loving their father. I, I think what's surprising to discover is how much we are so confused spiritually that we assume we get to a place where God can no longer connect to us in a deep, significant way. Or the other extreme, that we, we deserve God to connect to us in a deep, significant way. And both misunderstand God's love and kindness. God's forgiveness. God's, um, I don't know, I just love you. You've heard me say all over and over again, love moderates behavior. 
when you've experienced Jesus love you, you know what? You don't need rules. You, you, know, we, you know, that's not us here at Mosaic. We don't, don't go to R-rated movies. Don't do, you know, that's just not us. Because if we have to give you rules, we, we, we've ruined you. If the love of Christ doesn't compel you, uh, peer pressure and shame only works so long. But it's not only just the love of Christ, it's also the love of community, isn't it? I, I'm pretty sure there's some of you that have maybe even stopped thinking, I can't be that person. It means I don't want to lose the connection. I, I, I don't want to bring that shame to, the, I, you know, I, right? Why? Because love moderates behavior. All right, so now, the Father. One last comment, and then we're going to close. Because I'm emotionally drained. Um, the Father in this story, if the metaphor is, um, is correct, and I think it is, it didn't care what it looked like for him to reach his son. It didn't matter to him what people might think for him to reach his son. Um, yeah, you know, I... I I can't get to a place where I think any, anything, anywhere, you know, all roads lead to Rome sort of thing. I, I, I can't get there. That any road will lead to God. But <laughs> what I'm convinced of is that God will take any road to reach you. And see, for some of us, we won't. There, there are some people or some places we think, oh man, you know, I'll leave that to the missionaries. Or, I mean, there's some place like, oh, I mean, that's somebody else's job. And I, and I wonder who, who you know, maybe it's the, I, the person that's hurt you the most deeply is probably the one that you're withholding God's kindness and grace to that God wishes to extend and maybe is, is extending. You follow? And so you, in that sense, are like the older son. And... Or maybe you're, you know, the other person that, and I know I'm, I'm painting an extreme, so I know that there, there's, there's levels of degree and intensity here. I understand that. There's shades of gray in between here. But um, I think all of us have a place where we're just so embarrassed. We just assume, well, I'm, I'm happy, you know, I know Christ and all that, but you really don't ever expect to be fully his son or his daughter because of that thing. You just, you know. If you get nothing else out of this morning, is to um, maybe reconsider that perhaps you've had a, a, a small view of God and His kindness. That it's overwhelming. And here's the other part I'm not speaking about love in a like, gauzy, warm, romantic, soft focus sort of way. I mean, it, it's the kind of love that actually liberates and heals. Um, yeah, it's the kind of love that, well, when did this kid actually connect to his father, you think? On the way home? Um, when he started to speak? Because I'm, I'm going to suggest this, and I'll close on this. I think he finally experienced the connection back with his father. When his father embraced him. That's when it happened. And I think most of us, we, we, we just feel either too ugly or too, or too proud or we don't need. 
that embrace of God's kindness to be enveloped by his love. Um, it's healing. I just don't know how to put it any other way. It's, it's healing. It's not just, you know, I know it theoretically. I understand it academically. Um, and I can prove it scripturally. I mean, you just experience it in a way that even if nothing else makes sense to you, this is your anchor. I have met Jesus, and he loves me. Hey, let me pray with you. What can we say to a God who loves as great as you, who gives as freely as you do, who, um, well, actually, you love and give gifts like a king. And, and, and since we didn't understand it by your spokespersons and, and through your writings, then you came yourself in the, in the form of a human being to help us understand your incredible love and passion for us. So here's what I pray. First, I want to thank you for redeeming all the garbage in my life that I have a chance to tell my friends and my family members that uh, you have been so kind to me, to my wife, uh, to both of us, and um, that you extend this mercy and kindness to everybody. The second thing, Father, I pray, is that folks here would experience that and it would liberate them and they get rid of their stupid lists about how they're supposed to behave so that you'll love them and that you'll like them. Uh, for, folks, for folks who have been maybe too afraid to approach you because, well, they don't want to feel hurt and rejected again. I get that. So they, don't, they never come. They just assume that you just will never love them. So I pray that they will ex- experience that. Then, finally, that we would be so compelled by your love, by your kindness, that we would uh, tell our family and friends, help us to remember that that if we're just here for ourselves, what a waste of time. Help us to remember that we're here for the folks that are not here, the folks who are not connected to you, the ones that you lost. You would leave us to go find the one that's not connected to you. If the metaphor is true, and I think it is, you're excited about a person who connects to you again after being missing and absent for so long. So help us to think like you do. Help us to value like you do. Help us to extend grace like you do. And we can be um, proper representatives, proper students and disciples and followers of your son, Jesus Christ. In his name, for his sake, to his credit, amen. Thank you for listening to this production by Mosaic Whittier a community of faith, hope, and love. For more information about Mosaic gatherings and events, please visit mosaic.org.